Bibles, if you would, turn to Psalms chapter 11. Psalms chapter 11. I mentioned the last week, uh, if you remember, I started my message off and I mentioned about three or four different messages that I could have preached last week and, and I, I chose a different one. But one of the messages that I, that I mentioned or a topic that I mentioned came out of Psalms chapter 11. So that is the thought that I want us to pursue this morning, is what the Bible says in Psalms chapter 11. 11. This is a psalm of David. It doesn't really give us the time period or maybe the event for many of the psalms that David writes. It tells us where he might be in a cave somewhere or when he was in the city of Gath and he was facing some uh, persecution from someone there. A lot of times these scriptures will, or these psalms will give you a detailed description. This one it doesn't necessarily give us where he's at or the situation that he's facing. But what we can do, we can look at the life of of David as he's living, and we can associate this with well several places in his life that's taking place. On Wednesday nights we've been going through the history of the nation of Israel. We've come all the way from Exodus. We're all the way up into 1 Samuel right now in chapter 27. And most of 1 Samuel deals with the life of David. And what we've just gotten through reading about David is, uh, we'll look at this and I'll mention it in a few minutes. I'm telling you, a majority, a large part of David's life was spent running from King Saul. Because King Saul was out to kill him. And uh, this, was, this took up about 20 years of his life. And we'll look at that in just a few minutes. <coughs> but we're going to read here in Psalms chapter 11. We're going to get right into it. And, and I'm going to kind of narrate it as we go. And uh, then we'll look at a little bit of the history of David and his life. Look what it says in... Psalms chapter 11 and verse number 1. In the Lord put I my trust. Now he's starting this psalm off and he is prefacing it or he's letting everybody know before we read the rest of this, I want everybody to know, I, David, I'm putting my trust in the Lord. He starts off. That's, that's where he stands. That's the solid rock where he's talking about. That's the foundation. So he says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Now, what we're going to find out here in a few minutes, David is running from King Saul because Saul is trying to take his life, and he has surrounded himself. Well, I don't know if he surrounded himself or this group of 400 people have surrounded David. They're coming out, and David is hiding in the wilderness, and they have come out and they have started, started following David. This is what this group of people are telling David. Now keep this in mind. King Saul is out to kill him. And they're saying, David says, Why do you say to my soul, flee as a bird to the mountain? In other words, he's, he's being advised, You know what you need to do? You need to just quit. 
You need to leave the nation of Israel. King Saul won't even know where you're at. You just need to get up and leave and hightail it and run away. He says, who are you to tell me to flee like a bird to the mountain? Then verse 2 says, For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make rated their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in the heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now that's going to be our point today. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He says, listen, I trust in the Lord. You're telling me to flee to a mountain, and I understand why you're telling me to flee to a mountain. He says, everywhere I turn, it looks like somebody's got their bow pulled back trying to shoot me. They're trying to take my life unjustly. David's not done anything wrong. Saul is just, he's just a jealous man. He, think David, he thinks David is after his kingship. But what he's saying here, he says, listen... He says, I'm not going to take the advice of the world around me. I'm not going to take the advice of what other people think. I'm just going to trust in the Lord. Okay? I'm going to trust in the Lord. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I said, you know, what does trusting the Lord look like? Well, if we read this, we'll know what trusting the Lord looks like. Hey, you, you know what the Lord tells us to do in Matthew? If somebody slaps us on one cheek, what are we supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. What does the world tell you to do? Punch their lights out. Get revenge. What does the Lord tell us to do when somebody does something wrong against us? The Lord tells us to forgive like He has forgiven us. But what does the world tell us to do? You don't forgive, you get revenge. I mean, so see, watch. This is, this is what David is sitting here and he's saying. He says, listen, he says, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to the advice of the world. I'm going to trust the Lord. And then it, the question is asked, he says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I'm going to look at this in a few minutes. And I have to tell you, I've been studying on this, this verse right here, this one verse, for about three weeks. And I just realized this last week, I was thinking about foundations that, that amounted to a lot of big things. I, I was trying to think about freedom I was thinking about marriage. I was thinking about these huge foundations that we face from time to time. Hey, listen. And I finally realized, Wayne, I'm not talking about those foundations. I'm talking about the basic foundations that me and you have in our lives every single day. Okay? That's the foundations that he's talking about right here. And, and we're, going to look, we're going to look at that in a minute. I don't, I don't want to jump on that, that right now. But let me read the rest of this. So he says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then David acknowledges in verse number 4, he says, I want you to know the Lord is in his temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. David said, listen, I'm going to trust the Lord 
no matter who's all against me, no matter what I'm facing, he says, because I recognize and I realize that God is still in control. God is still on the throne. That's one thing that we need to recognize. We sometimes think that things in our life are spinning out of control and we have no control over it. Let me let you know and assure you of something. God knows exactly what's going on. He knows where you're at. Even, even if it's something that is detrimental in our life or it appears to us, I want you to know God's still got that in control. You don't need to worry about it. Okay? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Let's keep going. Then he says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Let me assure you, the wicked will get their just reward. That's what he's saying. David's saying, I'm trusting the Lord. Even all this poor advice you give me to get revenge, to take take judgment up against Saul. He's all this, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to stay in Israel. This is my country. This is where I'm going to stay. He says, I understand that God's on the throne. I understand that the wicked are going to receive their just reward. And then he ends in verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. In other words, David says, I know that God loves the righteous and he's going to take care of us. Okay? All right. That was been a mouthful. So, let me let me just give you a real real quick history of where we're at today with David. Okay? The first the first son of David in on our in our uh in, in our vision is David is sitting out there in the in the uh the pasture, he's keeping the sheep. One of the servants of his father comes to him and said, Hey, David, Daddy wants you to come home. Samuel, the prophet, is at the house. He, they're waiting on you. You need to show up. So David comes home. When Samuel, the prophet, sees David, Samuel, the prophet, takes a cruise of oil and he anoints David and he says, You are going to be the next king over Israel. This is when he was just a teenager. Okay. Wow. What an event in life. Now, son, get back out there and keep him sheep. He goes right back to doing what he was supposed to be doing. So a little time passes. His daddy tells him, he says, Come, son, come to the house. I've got some supplies that I want to send you because the army of Israel is faced off with the army of the Philistines. Here, I've got you some raisin cakes. These, take these to your brother. Take these to the supply clerk. Turn them in and get up there. And, and old David does exactly that. And he gets to the the battlefield, and he hears this Philistine giant cursing the God of Israel. And David just can't stand it. He said, who's going to stand up against this man that's cursing the God of Israel? Y'all know the story. David goes out and he tells Goliath that he's going to cut his head off, eat his, his body to the fowl of the air, and, and he goes out there and he says, I'm not going to defeat you, but the God of Israel is going to defeat you. You know the story. He takes his sling, he, he slays Goliath, he cuts his head off, and now David has become somebody in the kingdom of Israel. King Saul takes a great liking to David. As a matter of fact, when you read right after that, he makes David 
the military leader over all the armies of Israel. Everything is fine. I want you to know David is a great warrior. He's going out in every battle he fights. He's gaining victory in every single battle. Everything was fine until you read in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 7, they come back in the city and the ladies in the town are singing a song. And the song that they're singing, it says, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. Uh, they've elevated King Saul to this level. They elevated David to this level. David, you've killed your tens of thousands. Saul's only killed his thousands. It came into the mind of Saul. He says, what more could this young man do than to take the kingdom from me? So he set out to kill David. One of the things that he done, one of the things he done, he says, well, one of the ways that I can stay close to, the, to David, I will have him marry one of my daughters. And he did that. And they got married. David's at the house one day and his wife says, Honey, if you don't crawl out that window and run for your life, my daddy's going to kill you before the morning. And that is exactly what King Saul done. He sent servants to David's house to put him to death. His wife came to the door and said, Hey, David's sick. He can't get out of the bed right now. So they left and went back the next day. And she said the same thing. But King Saul says, You go in there and take him on his bed and you bring him to me because I'm going to kill him because he's trying to take my kingdom from me. Come to find out that his wife had put a, a statue or something in the bed and put some goat hair or something up there. So she had tricked him. And David had fled. So now David is fleeing from King Saul. Again, this is going on for a period of about, about 20 years. For 20 years, everywhere David turns, here comes Saul. He's got an army of 3,000. Two different times, some of you may not know this, two different times God allowed Saul to be at the feet of David. David had an opportunity to take Saul's life. This is the man that is pursuing him to put him to death. One time, David is inside a cave. Him and his men are in this cave and they're, they're well, they're hiding from King Saul. Out of, my goodness, what a coincidence. King Saul goes into the very cave that David is hiding in. And it says, and it says that he was in there to cover his feet. Lots of it, some people say that covering his feet means he was going to the bathroom. Some people say that covering his feet means that he was taking a nap. Whatever it was, this is the conversation that went on inside that cave. David's men said, listen, God has promised that He was going to lay your enemies at your feet. This is God telling you, you need to take His life right now and you will be the next king over the nation of Israel. And David said, ignoring what his companions were telling him to do, 
He says, God will take his life at the appropriate time. It's not my place to take his life. So he takes his knife and he cuts a corner off of, off of Saul's coat or his robe or whatever it was that he was wearing. Saul wakes up, he goes outside the cave, and then David comes out and he hollers and he said, Hey, look, you see this? Oh, Saul pulled up his robe and said, Oh my goodness gracious, that belongs to me. He said, I want you to know I could have took your life. As a matter of fact, my men told me to take your life. And I spared it. Because you think I'm after your kingdom and I'm not. It says in the Bible that Saul repented and he cried and he wept. And he says, David, you're more righteous than I am. Anyway, Saul stops pursuing him. But then you read two chapters later. Oh, Saul is after him again. Got 3,000 men trying to find David so they can put him to death. The Bible says that David took one of his men and they went into the camp. 3,000 men. Saul sleeping in the middle of the camp. David walks through the whole group of men, walks up to Saul, takes his spear in his hand, and his man, his servant that was with him, he said, listen, this is God telling you, take the death or take the life of your enemy. And David says, I will not take the life of God's anointed. Okay? Do you, do you see what's going on here? you see what's going on? God is giving these opportunities. So he takes his spear and he takes his canteen, water canteen, and he goes outside the camp. And the Bible tells us that God had caused a deep sleep to fall over the whole army. That's why they didn't wake he got out there and David cried back to him. He said, hey, King David, or King Saul, do you see whose spear I got in my hand? And old Saul turns and looks where his spear was, right beside his head. He says, oh, so let me just tell you something. Let me tell you something. David had opportunity to take his own life in his own control, but he trusted the Lord to do what he was supposed to do. Alright? He trusted the Lord. I, I was sitting here and I was thinking about David's life plans. I, it does, it, I didn't read anywhere in the Scripture that this was David's plan. His whole life plan has been destroyed because Saul has pursued him. His whole life plan about getting married, having kids, maybe getting a few sheep, having a farm... Because David was being pursued by Saul, all these dreams were gone. I, I don't mind telling you, I remember being in the ninth or 10th grade, and I remember one of my dreams was to get married and have kids. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to live in a house, about three bedrooms, two baths, Wanted my own piece of property. That, 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 was, that was my dream. I, you know what? I think David had similar dreams to that. And, and I want you to know that Saul destroyed those dreams. Let me, let me just say this. One of the foundations, one of the foundations that David had a dream of accomplishing one day has now been destroyed. He said, I can't even, there's, there's no way I can even pursue that. David knows that God has already promised him that he's going to be the king. 
David's dream of having a normal family life, living in a country that he loved, raising a family, had now all been crushed. His foundations had been destroyed. That's the question. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I hope me and you understand that we have certain foundations in our lives that we kind of depend upon. I, I have to tell you, it scared me yesterday when I left our driveway. I drove down to Beach Creek Road and I took a left. And I had Bo and Jansen with me. And it scared me to get out on the highway. About three days ago, there was a car wreck right here in front of the house. And there was a life taken. Yesterday, there was a car wreck down here at 1276. Did anybody hear the results of that? I know life flight had to come. I, I, I think there was a life lost in that wreck. Uh, but another life was lost. Over in Alaska, earlier part of the week, someone died in another car wreck. Right. And, and listen, I, I know of five people this week that lost their lives on the highway. I want you to know. Huh. Now, I, I think this word right here, a foundation... It's, it, it made me a little anxious yesterday to get back out on the highway. I think I'm a safe driver. It's, it, it's the ones that's driving down the road and texting and watching movies and videos and, 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 and they swerve across the center line for just two feet and then they take the life of people and they're not paying any attention. Foundations can be destroyed just like that. People are not paying any attention. Wow! I was sitting here thinking about some of the practical things that we face every day that shakes our, shake our foundations. I, I, thought, I thought about the, in the 1920s, the stock market failed. What, what were people doing? They were, they were jumping off of buildings. Man, everything they had in life, they had it invested in a certain part. And when it all fell, they fell apart. I want you to know David's situation. Some of his foundations had been shaken and destroyed and they've crumbled. You know how the end of a fairy tale ends every time. How does it end? They lived happily ever after. What about a... And I, I, I've got a person in mind when I say this. I know a man, he graduated high school, he went to a technical school and knew what he liked doing. He, was, he liked working in that field. He worked in the same field for 15 years, worked for this company, invested everything in this company, 
put all of his retirement into this company and after 15 years the company went bankrupt and he lost it all. Let me, let me tell you what happened. His foundation crumbled. As a result of that, I mean everything was based on his career, his choice in his career. For the next two years he struggled even finding work as a result of the financial instability in his home, him and his wife got a divorce, and it was it was just it was all based on that career foundation, and it crumbled. What is the righteous to do when the foundation crumbles? Let me tell you, God's still on the throne. Here, let me say another one. These hit way too close to home. You live in everyday life. Everything's going good. So many of us have faced these foundations. You go to the doctor one day because you got a cough and you don't know what it is. And you find out, do a few tests, and then it's cancer. Three months later, you're in the middle of chemo. Then they're talking about you may not survive the cancer treatments or the situation. And my goodness, suddenly, the foundation crumbles. What do you do? You get the diagnosis that you have cancer. You go and you find out you've had a heart attack. You, you've had a stroke and now your whole life has changed. Hey, my mama won't be seeing this. I'm sure she won't be listening to this. I went and I talked to my mama the other day. She had a stroke. She's not able to move on one side. She's not able to have a conversation because of her voice is it's all messed up because of the stroke. And I begin to tell her, hey, Mama, I don't worry about you because I know that you trust in the Lord. You should have seen the smile that come across her face. And she began to say, yeah, yeah. And I said, Mama, I don't worry about you. I, 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 tr I know that God's in control. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. And she's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, her foundation crumbled around her one day. She couldn't get off of the floor. But my mama trust in the Lord. How many people do you know it's a medical situation that has taken a toll, stroke, a heart problem, cancer, trauma, and it has shattered their foundation? Well, I'm telling you, and I'm fixing to use a few examples in the Scripture that give us an example of how we should respond when our foundations are shattered and crumble. Family issues, separation, divorce, wayward children. My goodness. Maybe some of you know of some of these little innocent family disputes that have driven families apart and they don't speak to each other anymore because of some family dispute. And, and when everything, their family was everything and something come up and brrr, the foundation is now destroyed and... What are the righteous to do? We're to trust in the Lord. We're to trust in the Lord. So I just, I just picked a few examples. Everything's 
fine one day and then the very next day things have changed. In Daniel's life, everything was great one day. King signed a, a decree and says, listen, anyone, it says, this is, it says all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal salute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save the king, he shall be cast into a den of lions. So the decree was signed that if you pray to God, uh, if you pray to anybody except to the king, for the next 30 days, you're going to get thrown in a lion's den. Daniel knew the decree was signed. But what did Daniel do? He said, well, God, I'll talk to you in 30 days. No. Daniel trusted the Lord. Guess what happened to Daniel? Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. But guess what Daniel done? Daniel trusted the Lord. God spared his life. Go to the same book. Daniel, and you know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, listen, the decree was signed. If you... Do not bow down and worship the idol that we've placed before you. You will be thrown into a fiery furnace. Evidently, everybody in the kingdom but these three men. They said, listen, you don't understand. We serve an almighty God. And we have vowed that we will not bow to anyone but Him. So we will not bow down before your God. They said, then we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Guess what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego done? They trusted the Lord. And they were. They were content to say, listen, if God spares us, great. If He doesn't, that's also great. But we're going to serve the Lord. And you read the story where King Nebuchadnezzar, he looked into that fiery furnace and he said, did you not throw three in there? I see four. And one that's walking around them looks like the Son of Man or the Son of God. We know that Jesus came and He rescued them from the fiery furnace. What did they do when their, 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 their foundation crumbled around them? They trusted the Lord. Now listen, this is another one. In Job chapter 1, most of us know the account of Job. He lost all of his kids. He lost all of his cattle. He lost all of his sheep. He lost all of his land. He lost everything. Later it goes on, it says he had sores from his head to his toe. How did Job respond? You know what his wife told him to do? Here is, here is the, the worldly advice. His wife said, honey, just curse God and die. Evidently, God has turned His back on you. Do, do you know what all of His friends were telling Him? All of His friends were saying, Job, you must have done something catastrophic against God. You need to repent. And Job was saying, listen, I haven't. Even His friends were telling Him. Everything around you is crumbled, Job. You must be a bad guy. He said, No. Look, this is, this is Job's response. When he lost all of these things, then Job arose, he tore his mantle, he shaved his head, he fell down upon the ground, and he worshipped God. 
Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I will return to thee. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His health was taken, his riches were taken, his family was taken. He is facing a great travesty. His foundation was destroyed. And what did Job do? Job trusted the Lord. I make that sound mighty easy, don't I? I, I, I? Hey, listen, I want you to know the words coming out of my mouth, that is easy to say for us to simply trust the Lord. I, I, I want you to know if you will simply trust the Lord, it will pay off. But I'm not saying it's that easy to do sometimes. Especially with all of the pressure from the world for you to get revenge and you to hold a grudge, and, and for you not to turn the other cheek, and, and, and for you to get back at whoever's, whoever's biting at you, or whatever the reason. I'm telling you, just simply trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. In Acts chapter 16, one of the foundations that Paul and Silas was facing, Paul and Silas was free to travel from city to city. They were preaching the Word. They get to... Uh, to Philippi, and the very freedom that they had was taken away from them. They were arrested. They were taken to the, to the city jail. They were beaten. They were flogged. They were thrown in the floor in the dungeon. They were chained to the floor. Everybody knows. I think you know the story. They cried out, Oh me, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? No. They trusted the Lord. And it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. They sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They sang praises because they simply trusted the Lord. There, there's, so many, there's, there's so many examples in the Scriptures. I, I remember I was telling our Sunday school class, I tried to find this verse, I couldn't find it. But God told the nation of Israel, He said, listen, y'all been worshiping gods, idols. He said, I'm going to send you into Babylon for 70 years. I'm going to send you there. And uh, that's going to be your punishment. I'm going, to, I'm going to discipline you so that you will stop serving idols. And I want you to know, 70 years, it worked. Israel never did start serving idols again. But this is what God told him. He said, now listen, you're going to be there for 70 years. There's no changing that. But I'm telling you this, while you're there... Just trust me. Just trust me. While you're in captivity, while you're going through what you're going through, trust me. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. Trust me. Jeremiah preaching the Word. They take him and they arrest him and they, they find a cistern in the middle of the city. A cistern is a, is a big tank that collected water and because they didn't like what he said, they opened that cistern and they threw him in. He's up to his waist in mud in the bottom of this cistern and he was left there to die. Jeremiah simply trusted the Lord. I could go on, and I could go on, and I could go on. But we just simply need to know that we need to put our faith and trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. We heard this many, many times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not upon your own understanding or don't listen to the ways of the world around you. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. My goodness, those are good, good words. Trust in the Lord. Okay, Brother Wayne, what does trusting in the Lord, what does it look like? This is what it looks like. It's, it's when you're up against the wall in a situation or circumstance, and you know what the Word of God says, and you just simply do it. That's what it is. Trust in the Lord. There is not a circumstance or a situation or a temptation that you will ever go through in life that the Word of God does not address. Now, did y'all hear what I just said? It may not, it may, you may not say it specifically, but there's, there's anything that you face in the world, the Word of God has something to say about it and what you should do about it. Hey, if you got a situation and you're challenged and you're going, well, I heard what you said, but there, let me come. You come to me. Come to me. We'll find it in the Scriptures. We'll, we'll sit down and we'll discuss what the Scripture says about the situation that you find yourself in. What are you to do? Just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. I want you to know David's foundations, they crumbled around him, and David didn't have anything to do with it. Saul sought him out, and because of what Saul done, his foundations around him were crumbled. I want you to know a lot of times in our lives, we get in a situation and it's, here, can I just say it? Sometimes it's not our fault, but that doesn't exempt us from being in that same situation. We trust in the Lord. God's going to take care of the righteous. That's what He says. Maybe this morning we come to the end of the service and you're going, wow. It, maybe you're facing a crumbled foundation. Something's out of control in your life that you just don't know what to do about it. Hey, maybe to this morning, standing right where you're at, maybe you just need to bow your head and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to give it to you. Maybe you want to come to this altar. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. Maybe there's somebody in the congregation that you need to speak to. Maybe you just need to go over and pray with them. But whatever the situation, I hope that the Lord has used these words this morning saying, trust me, and you can take it and apply it to your life. Let's stand. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, I, am, I, love, I love the way your word will tell us to trust you and you don't just leave it at that. You give us example after example after example after example after example of people who've faced some same things that we face in our daily lives and they have trusted you in and through these situations. God, just help us to learn to trust you more in our daily lives. We sure do love you. God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray the first thing they will do today is to trust you for salvation. Thank you again for all you've done. God, as we come to this time of invitation, we just give it over to you.
Uh, may you be pleased with every decision that's made here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's